0: What's up, everyone? Roy here. You're listening to the Balance Meal Podcast series. And this episode is my communion message for the week of January 27th. And for this message, I'm going to continue looking at Luke 15 and wrapping up with the uh, first two parables that he was telling people here in this moment in time and I chose to do the last one first because honestly it was longer and that one had been on my heart for a while but uh, I don't know I just uh, this this chapter in Luke 15 has just been kind of sitting with me for for a while now. And the more that I read it, the more that I engage with it, the more that I read commentaries on this specific chapter in general, it's just kind of been, a, been mind-blowing for me. So I'm going to share things that I've seen and how I've taken this now and my hopes for you all. So before I start, I want to you know have some silence to get us focused And settled in this space. All right, we're here. Um, First, I'm going to read these two parables. They're short. Um, I don't know if. some of you listening are familiar with the bible or not but uh anyway i'm going to read these two so the first parable is the parable of lost sheep and it's luke 15 1 through 7. all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him and the pharisees and scribes were complaining this man welcomes sinners and eats with them so he told them this parable what man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it when he has found it he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them rejoice with me because i have found my lost sheep i'll tell you in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner that repents than over the 99 righteous people who don't need repentance And the second parable is a parable of the lost coin, which is Luke 15, 8 through 10. It says, Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women, friends, and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So there you have it. Two small parables about seemingly small things being lost and the reactions of losing those things. And then you have in the last parable the father with the lost son. Now, as I was going through this in the commentaries and just kind of like researching and engaging with it, something kind of has come up with this that I think is pretty cool. Now, sometimes we read this this chapter and we think that it's saying three parables. You have lost sheep, lost coin, and the prodigal son. But when you really look at it, it's basically the same parable just told in three different parts. And it can feel not important, or you can overlook a lot of things, and just think, okay, yeah, it's just, you know, he's losing sheep, woman losing a coin, father letting his son come back. But to the people of the time, this would probably be a very incredibly powerful metaphor for God. And also a very powerful metaphor that angers Pharisees and, and a lot of people. And so I'm going to go into that first. So when you get into the first part of this chapter, you, you see that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. And you can see that, that the, the Pharisees were upset with this these weren't the people that you go to. These weren't the people that you engage with. These weren't the people that you spend your time with. Nobody liked tax collectors. They're the ones taking people's money. A lot of times they were abusing their power, taking more than they need. And then sinners and undesirable people is just, you just didn't do that. And so this is something that I mean, we talk about that a lot, that Jesus was always around the people that society said you weren't supposed to be around. And in a lot of ways, that's what made it so powerful. He's going to the people that need it, who want it. And then, what it's showing, these parables to, to the people of the day, and even, I think, I want us to see this, is that the God that Jesus is portraying is different from the God that people are used to. You know, in these in these parables, the metaphor is, is God is not passive, far off, or waiting for us to find him. God is searching for them. And it's flipping the whole dynamic on its head. For a lot of people, that's their view of God, and their view of, salvation, faith, I mean, it was a far-off thing. I mean, if you wanted to be saved or penance for your sins, I mean, you had to go to the temple, and then even going to the temple, there were rules and regulations and money to be spent, and it was not something that gave people this sense that God would come down to meet them where they're at. You have these priests in the temple that were far off. They were not to be touched. They were not to be messed with. They didn't come to you. You came to them. And I can imagine that that, if that is the mouthpiece for God, it's going to put an idea of what God is. And for me, I think about putting myself in those people's shoes, and it's not a God that is loving caring sees me or anything like that and so to have this parable of a God that's seeking you out a God that is searching for you a God that sees you I mean that's freaking revolutionary and so then the last thing is how Jesus predict or not predicts depicts God These three ways are incredibly radical. And and I want to tell you why. So the first one, he depicts God as a shepherd. Now, I didn't know this at the time. There's debate. So I, I saw, you know, don't rake me over the coals on this. But from the research that I did, the profession of a shepherd was not someone that was a high station in society for a lot of people shepherds was to be a shepherd it was a despised profession they were not to be trusted some of them i saw that you could not testify in court you were seen as lawless dishonest unreliable and some of that had to do with the fact that like when you were having the sheep or whatever you were shepherding grazing sometimes you would be on you could be on other people's lands and not know it or maybe you did so there's that their work was considered unclean and so you could not worship in the temple because you had to you know to go to the temple there was a cleansing ritual that you had to do they were deprived of civil rights and in a lot of it they say it's because of your dress or your hygiene so (laughs) <laughs> right there, uh, someone in a high station in society hearing this man refer to God as a shepherd is probably going to infuriate someone. <laughs> and then and then he goes, and the second one, he doubles down with that, and he refers to God as a woman. And so at this time, and in Jewish culture, and, and for a lot of life, women were, were not... They were they were second class, they were not as important, they were not worthy, and in a lot of times they weren't given a second thought in life. And so then you've got you just you just you got that one going now, too. And so I can imagine, you know, some some Pharisee listening to this being like, you're using God as a woman, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, that's stupid. And then then so we're we're going on this theme, so stay with me here. Then the last one, it says it's of a forgiving father. Now, that's amazing, right? Who would not think that that's rad? That's awesome. Yes, I, you know, forgiving father, that's someone, right? That you think, oh, it's great, it's awesome. Well, <laughs> if you're following the religious law of the day, no father would receive back a wasteful son. So this was the opposite of what you were supposed to do. You were not supposed to welcome the son home because the son had dishonored your father. I mean, it was it was incredibly just opposite of what you would do. Like, sons did not take their share. Sons did not leave. Sons stayed. So for a son to do that, it's it's incredibly inappropriate in the in these people's eyes of the day and so for this father to just welcome him back i can see the pharisees just like this this is this is not how it's supposed to be this is not the law and I'm, i'm trying not to giggle or laugh because you know for me when people use things that they're not supposed to use or images or metaphors or do opposite of what people expect look at things in a new different way i mean i love it you know i can i see myself like if i was at this time listening just being like yes talk about it great awesome that's wonderful this is this is what i need to hear and and it's because you know it's like it's bringing god to us it's bringing god to the people who need it and he's flipping the whole dynamic on its head the images that he's using are quote unquote wrong the people he's around is quote unquote wrong and it's a terrible it's not terrible it's amazing that he's doing this because he's taking it the whole thing from some far off place and bringing it to the people and these stories this type of language these types of metaphors i love it and we love that in movies when main characters do the things that they're not supposed to do or what we expect of them you know i think of like the lord of the rings the hero of the story is a small hobbit you know a small hobbit destroys the ring and saves everyone it's unexpected in the person that was chosen for the task, who gets to do it. It's the same thing with, I don't know, Harry Potter, right? He doesn't choose, that scene in the in the first movie, in the first book when uh, Draco comes up and he's like treating Ron a certain way because of his station and how Harry chooses Ron over Draco. Like that's incredibly powerful for us. It's a powerful image. You know, you think of nonviolence. A nonviolent act is more powerful because you're doing something that's unexpected. And so Jesus is showing that God loves, and this deep love, and and it's, it's pretty cool because there's this quote somewhere that I saw where it says, love is the opposite of power. And so the Pharisees are probably hating this because in these stories, he's taking the power away from them and giving it to the people. And that kind of message will always resonate, will always be a message worthy of listening. And so that's why these parables are so powerful for the time in the day. Now, what was it for me when I read and when I engage that makes it so powerful? You know and as I read these there's words that come up in my 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 heart there's this word significance that comes up and that I matter and significance is a word and something that I've really wanted to show my kid as we grow up, as he grows up and as he grows, significance. And significance doesn't mean special. And saying someone matters doesn't mean that they're special. And I think what what he's showing is the significance of people. Now think of it. One sheep is it one sheep special? is 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 that what he's saying i don't think he's saying it's special but the sheep is significant in the part that the sheep plays for the herd. the coin isn't isn't special it's significant in the woman's what she needs right the son is a significant the love of the father is significant doesn't make the son special he's not rejoicing and having this this party because the son is has done this great thing the son is significant in the father's life you know for me i think of you know we are small in regards to the entire world but we're still a part of this our part is still significant our part still matters to the collective that's the people around us we have to play our parts And it matters to God. I'm thinking about one puzzle piece, you know. One puzzle piece is not significant to the whole thing. Well, it is significant to the whole thing. But it's just one small puzzle piece. If you get to the end of the puzzle and you're missing one piece, it's freaking maddening, isn't it? You know, one screw. One screw does is not special. But it's significant when you're putting a bicycle together. As I put my son's bicycle together the other day. If I didn't have the one screw, the bicycle will fall apart and that frickin' matters, right? A penny. A penny doesn't matter until you're one cent off. An oyster. A small one small oyster. Sure it might not matter it's a, it's a small creature. But oysters are a keystone species. Without that one oyster, you don't have the oyster castles that the fish live off of. That one oyster helps to filter the water, the water quality. And then it's this snowballing effect. So it's small, but yet no less important and no less needed. And that's, I think, the message of these parables. It's the message that I think is is the cornerstone to all of this. And it's it's hard because for most of what we hear in Christianity and what we hear in religion is not this. It's not the significance of us. It might be significant, but it's always for a purpose to get you to do more works. And you don't get to sit here and think that you are loved and that you are cared for and that you are thought of and that you're connected. But that's what we want, right? We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to be worthy. We want to feel significant. And we want to feel like we matter. And that's hard these day and age. And I think that's what he's, that's what Jesus was trying to show us. That when you engage with God, you're not engaging with this this passive being that's waiting for you to screw up or watching you waiting. Just wanting to connect with you to transform. Wanting to see that there's a significance to who we are, what we can provide, a role in all of this. And we forget about it all the time. So that's why I love this passage. Because it's not about all these things. It's about you. It's about me. It's not my works. It's not where I came from. It's not how perfect I follow the rules, the regulations, the money, the prestige. It's just me. And it's just you. And so my hope for you this week when you engage, if you engage in this this chapter and these parables, that you can find some sort of significance to yourself through God, in God through this. Thank you all for listening. I hope that your week is full of peace and joy. And if you're around here in Virginia Beach, maybe some warmth, because it got really cold today. <laughs> thank you for listening I'll end in a, some silence alright I'll talk to you guys next next week remember I'm just a channel I'm not the source peace be with you